0: What's up, Dialed Fam? Welcome to episode 174 of the Dialed Health Podcast. My name is Derek Thiel. I'm the owner and head coach here at dialedhealth.com, which is strength training for cyclists. And today is Monday, January 8th, 2024, and I'm very excited about the format of this episode because it's gonna be very focused on the Dialed Fam and very focused on strength training for cyclists. So I hope you love it. Here is what to expect. We're going to start out with a testimonial I received from Dialed Fan member Jared Paulson. It is insanely powerful, and so much so that I wanted to read it for you guys verbatim. If you listen to the episode we did with Daniel Benjamin uh, late last year, I think that this will kind of ring a bell because it's a different member, but just as powerful as a story. So we'll read that. And then we're going to talk about the endurance exchange panel that I was on over the weekend in Charlotte, North Carolina. We went to the university with Training Peaks, and I was on a panel answering questions about why strength training matters for endurance athletes. They had five specific questions and sent me the notes beforehand. So I have them, and I'm going to... Tell you what the questions were and tell you what my response was. We'll go over it briefly, but I think it's pretty informative because I spent some time formulating these responses and the panel went really well. So we'll get into all that, including some insider info as to why Training Peaks was there and what they were talking about with the coaches at the Endurance Exchange. Then we're going to get into some member questions, and this one pertains to the Dialed Health Shred. So if you guys are doing the Dialed Health Shred, which is our 30-day fat loss challenge for cyclists, stay tuned because after I answer the question, we're going to go into how I've been doing on the Dialed Health Shred so far for the first week. So, the testimonial with Jared Paulson. This is a member who has been using Dial Health for a couple of years, and I've been connected with him. And what's even cooler is that he's local. So, we bumped into each other on Christmas Eve when I was out on a trail run and he was rucking, uh, which is basically hiking with a heavy backpack. And we were both kind of squeezing it in between family festivities. And we were talking, catching up a little bit, and he said, hey, I never wrote you that testimonial. And I said, that's right. I was like, you have to do it. So he follows up December 26th, and here's what he had to say. He uh, says, I wanted to put together a few of my thoughts and experience since joining the Dialed Fam. The very short story is that being a member of Dialed Health was one of the most primary tools that changed my life. As I'll share in more detail below, I was in a bad spot medically and today I'm in incredible shape better than it's ever been. So let's get into the story. My confidence in my fitness is the highest it's ever been. I lost 60 pounds. I can ride my favorite trails in half the time and repeat them four plus times and still feel great when previously after one lap, I would be completely exhausted. My knees and hips and my shoulders would be achy and I couldn't ride anymore. I enjoy riding at a level i never have and in many different ways the Dowd health plan is what made this possible for me it's not complicated there are options to adjust it if you're traveling working etc so as you have to adapt to other aspects of your life you can still maintain consistency i grew up very active as a kid in santa rosa california i lived a few minutes away from annandale state park and would ride several times a week as early as I can remember. I played football, wrestling, track, et cetera. I never really understood nutrition. I only understood what bro science I learned from coaches and friends in school. And I knew I didn't want to do that. I wanted to eat what I wanted. And that's what I did. My wife and I got married in 2005. I started college and we also started to have kids. I was very inactive for several years because I was focused on my kids, school, and my career. I severely misunderstood what it took to maintain fitness and health. I thought that I had to be in the gym multiple hours a day plus time for cardio and eat like a bird because it seemed to be like all the healthy people I knew did that. As my kids grew, they learned to hide the treats from dad, otherwise they would disappear. Whatever didn't get eaten by bedtime would get finished by me every time. I got back into riding in 2016 and rode one to two times a week and enjoyed it, but I was so unhealthy that it was painful to ride. Joint pain, exhaustion, etc. In 2021, I went for my first in over 15 years checkup at the doctor's office and I got a few points of bad news. I was pre-diabetic and hypertensive. Pretty much everything that was supposed to be low was high and everything that was supposed to be high was low. I was given a few prescriptions of which I filled none of them. I knew the cause was me. I was 39 and I felt like I was two or three decades older than that. I started to think about what I was going to do about it. I knew I didn't want to be on medication, but I also knew I needed a plan that was simple, not easy, but simple so that I would stay consistent. So I set three goals. Nothing without its sugar, no fast food, and some form of exercise every day. If that meant 50 push-ups, so be it. I knew I wasn't going to go to the gym three to five times a week, so I started looking for something at home to do. That's when I found Dialed Health and specifically the kettlebell series. It was perfect. Five different workouts that were 30 to 40 minutes each. I could do that every day. I started with a 12 kilo kettlebell and couldn't do all the reps and sets. Sometimes I could only do three quarters of the sets or two thirds of the sets. Consistency was my goal, and even though I wasn't doing all the sets and reps, I was consistent in doing it every day with two to three rides every week in between. After a few months, I was able to perform the whole routine. After about six months, I moved up to a 16-kilo kettlebell. After another six months, I moved up to a 20-kilo kettlebell. For about a year, I've incorporated going to the gym mixed with the kettlebell program. The gym work is focused on strength training and a kettlebell program for muscular endurance to hit more movements, especially for riding. Hopefully this helps others understand how much of a difference this program has made in my life. Cycling is my hobby. It's what I love to do. And today I enjoy it immensely more than I did two years ago. My health is right where I want it to be. I still have goals and I'm aiming for, and my progress is on track. I am on no medications and feel amazing. Thank you for this program and thank you for being a cool guy to interact with. I'm a local in Sacramento, and I interact with you a few times in person at mountain bike events, even at Kinetic Cycles uh, and just on the street. I just saw you running at Christmas Eve, and I called you out, and we chatted for a few minutes. You're just a cool, authentic dude who cares and believes in what you do. I want to share with others that when you join the Fam, you really get treated like family. And uh, that that just means so much. Obviously, this is me again just talking. It, It gives me the chills to be honest, when I read a story like that, because it's so real, it's just, it, it's just so real. And I think when he says I'm passionate about what I do, it's because of the, the realness of it. Like this is something that happened to a real person in a situation that a lot of us are in. And so I'm so grateful, Jared, for you sending that. Hopefully you're listening to this. I will definitely be sending it to you directly. Uh, and I'm also grateful that he followed up with some before and after photos, which I'll likely be sharing through a newsletter. But he also included some additional results from a doctor's appointment. So he wrote that his results of a doctor's visit in 2021 compared to today. So blood pressure then was 145 over 107, now 115 over 78. A1c, which is blood glucose levels, then 5.9, now 5. And he said he recently got a DEXA scan as well as a VO2 max. His VO2 max is now 47, lean body mass, 145, and body fat percentage, 20%. And then he sends a photo of him 60 pounds heavier versus today. And what I'll tell you, when you look at a before and after photo, even when they're smiling in both, there's good lighting in both, the vibrance you see from someone's after photo is, it's, it's just real. <laughs> it goes along with the rest of this thing. You cannot fake that vibrance. You just can't do it. When I was training people in person, you could feel that vibrance and that energy coming from them, whether they were on track or whether they were off track. It was, it. once I started training someone for more than six months, you could get so in tune with that energy level that you knew if they were killing it or not as soon as they walked in the door. It was really, really interesting. But I think when you get focused on the details as a trainer, you can't look past those things. Uh, And then he sends a picture. He came out to the uh, double Everest event, brought his daughter. It was super cool. uh, And we're all standing together. So anyways, Jared, thanks again. And I'm just going to encourage everybody who feels like they need to do so much to just focus on getting it done. Focus on the, I I don't want to say the bare minimum, but like Jared says, even if his workout that day was going to be 50 pushups, just get it done. And over time, just like his kettlebell workouts going from technically non-completed to completed and then upping the weight on everything, you will make progress as well. So focus on the consistency. Don't bite off more than you can chew and start moving forward. Now let's dive into the Endurance Exchange panel. So I went out with Training Peaks to the Endurance Exchange, which is hosted by USA Triathlon. They were inviting running coaches and also cycling coaches, as well as their triathlete coaches that usually show up to this event. And this was the first time it was in North Carolina. I guess it's normally in Austin, Texas. And it was cool. Going to the university was kind of surreal. I made a video on Instagram saying the last time I had spent this much time on a campus – was when I was dropping out of one. And so it was very, very surreal for me to have made such a bold decision that almost seemed like a bad idea at the time and to be back in that capacity speaking on a campus. And it's because I chose to follow the career of being a trainer. And so it's just very, very validating is what I'll say. So they had a panel that I was on with Erin Carson, who I just met in the last couple of months. And she is an insane trainer who has some of the top athletes in the world. In fact, when we showed up to dinner the first night, she brought one of her top athletes, Taylor Nib who is an Ironman world champ, I believe in 70.3, but one of the top women triathletes in the world right now. So starting the trip like that really did set the tone because other things had happened. Like the next morning, once we went to the campus, I knew that we were speaking on our panel at 1.30, but I didn't know that the main keynote was from Inigo Milan, who is UAE's coach. And he is Tade Pagacha's coach. And his keynote was incredible. I would say the gist of it was that coaches need to look into other sports and to what other coaches are doing and not be so confined by their sport itself to make sure that they're not leaving anything on the table. And he had videos from his phone <laughs> where he, they're, they're following Tade doing uh, climbing intervals and then doing blood lactate tests. And he shows him working with track athletes and all the different types of athletes that he's actually doing tests on. And essentially why you need to do a variety of tests because while some areas might stay the same, others might improve drastically. And you just can't get so focused on one thing in one sport uh, because we can learn a lot from multiple different types of tests and multiple different types of, of sports and activities. So it was really eye-opening, honestly kind of surreal. We sat front row, at a big old coffee, and I just soaked it all in. And what was even cooler was that we ended up doing our panel on the same stage later that day and in between the president of training peaks was speaking on a panel about AI and how it's going to have a role in coaching in the future or what role it will have and that was also super interesting as well so i got to learn a lot throughout the day and as we got closer toward the panel i'm not going to lie i i did get nervous i genuinely got nervous but once we started it went away and i felt like i do now uh just talking and and to be honest it's Almost easier when you have someone feeding you the questions. Like, I always find it more difficult to do solo recordings opposed to an interview or going back and forth with anyone because you have to tee up everything and also answer everything opposed to respond, you know? Uh, So, anyways, I want to get into the five questions that we went over and what my answers were to those questions. I actually have them written down. So we'll go over them briefly, but I do want to dive in uh, a little bit more in depth based off the responses I gave during that panel. The first question was, how do you define strength training and how do you incorporate it into your business today? Well, for me, this was an easy question because this is my whole business. (laughs) So this the latter half of this uh, is pretty much answered already. But when I was asked to define strength training, I realized this is one of those questions that is so simple that no one really asks it. And in fact, I don't, Know if I've ever really had to explain it so clearly. I talk about strength training for endurance athletes, strength training for cyclists, but I don't say what strength training is. And I think it's one of those things that everyone feels like they know. But if you had to answer it, it's hard to wrap up in one sentence. So my initial gut reaction was strength training is progressive overload, which is basically increasing the weight or increasing the volume of given activity. So your body adapts, uh, and you progressively increase that. And that is how you make change and basically get stronger and fitter. <laughs> but that really only is part of strength training. And I wanted to make sure I was a little bit more, not, I don't want to say broad, but I cover all the areas that strength training truly applies to. So my thought with how do you define strength training is using resistance To build or maintain muscular strength and endurance, and also doing the same for your neural adaptations. And so I think that more clearly defines what strength training is. And you guys know that I think maintenance in general, in regards to training and strength training, is very underrated. It's not talked about enough. It's always like a build and rest and build and rest and build and rest. And the maintenance is just not really emphasized. And I I think it should be more because it's, great to maintain. You don't always want to be on a peak of a mountain and then in a valley, on the peak of a mountain and then in a valley. It's nice to cruise in the foothills for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So anyways, that is my definition of strength training, using resistance to build or maintain muscular strength and endurance and doing the same with your neural adaptations. Next one is what led you to become an advocate for strength training, uh, this really kind of just went into my story, which I would recommend you listening to the adventure stash podcast that I was on. This is Payson McHelvin's podcast. He asked about this and I give you about a 10 to 15 minute answer. If you really want to hear what my story is and how doubt health came to be, what it is today, I, I basically said it even brief, uh, a more brief than that. Uh, but I'll leave the link to the adventure stash podcast in the description below if you are curious. Uh, Next question, why do you believe strength training matters for endurance athletes? Now, the reason is because the results that you get from strength training cannot be gained from more time doing your sport. Let me say that again. You can make so much progress with your body from strength training that cannot be replicated by riding more or by running more or swimming more or whatever your activity is. You cannot just do more of that and get the benefits that you can get from strength training. And this one of the misconceptions is like, well, what if I do low cadence drills on the bike? You know, everyone thinks, oh, can I just do low cadence for my legs instead of strength training? And just to narrow in on this as an example, and the reason it's not is because think about it this way a low cadence drill would be, I I think, usually 40 to 60 as far as a cadence goes. And when would you ever, when would you ever do? 40 to 60 reps of any exercise within one minute in a gym or in your living room, wherever you do your strength training, think about how gnarly that would be. And if you did, it wouldn't even feel like strength training. You'd be like, oh, this feels like some type of hit workout or uh, like literally just something to improve my vo2 max or something like that you know like this is to get the heart rate up and to just burn some calories like this is not a strength workout and so then start to think about how different the benefits are with strength training you know where reps rarely go over 20 and most of the time it's going to be in the 8 to 12 range or even 16 can feel like a lot of reps and sometimes 16 reps takes more than a minute and so the load you're applying to your body not to mention the different planes of motion that you can accomplish with strength training why it's so different. Another example would be if you are in pain, like let's just say in the TT position. So let's say you have a shoulder impingement. And this is when basically you have a, a lot of pain in your shoulder. And it's from poor posture, I guess to say it simply, but you have this thing in your shoulder, this bone, and it kind of looks like a little icicle. It lo- it's called your acromion process. And when you have uh, upper cross syndrome, and essentially your upper back is arched forward, your shoulders are rolled forward, everything's really tight on the front, it's common for that tightness to pull your shoulder and some of the tissue in there to push up onto that acromion process and you get a lot of pain. So if you're shrugging your shoulders into a TT position on the bike and you have a shoulder impingement and you feel that pain, well, unfortunately for you, more time in the TT position is not going to fix that. But what will is strength training. What will is correcting your posture through corrective exercise and a lot of stretching. And so that's why strength training is so uh, essential for any endurance athlete, because those examples can be replicated basically in any sport and throughout different parts of your body. So that's why I believe strength training uh, matters for endurance athletes. You just can't get those benefits from more of doing your sport. Uh, And then the next question, the follow-up was, does this answer apply to all endurance athletes? And the answer is yes, it absolutely does. Uh, Now, number three, what are the biggest misconceptions you hear about strength training? You know, Erin had a really great answer for this. She basically focused on people worrying about muscle mass and gaining muscle mass. And I do think that is a misconception. It seems like people think it's just so easy to put on muscle. And don't get me wrong, you can. You absolutely can. Like there's insane body composition changes I've had with the dialed fam uh, with endurance athletes and cyclists in particular, but it's usually, but it's usually a body recomp as well. You know, it's usually someone losing fat and gaining some muscle. They end up lighter, but they're also just kind of more aesthetic. Bigger shoulders, a little bigger arms, sometimes bigger legs. Uh, We get quite a bit of bigger calves, but smaller waist. (laughs) You know, so, and, and sometimes depending on how much weight they have to lose, they could just be smaller everywhere. But now, because they don't have as much fat on their body, they look more muscular because the muscle was there the whole time. So, uh, there is a huge misconception around just body composition in general and how easy it is to gain muscle. Uh, but I also wanted to add that the, mu- the muscle you gain, if you build it in the right way, is like- it's not likely going to make you slower. For example, if you are using free weights primarily and you've built a body that can move load and stabilize it at the same time, you'll likely be able to translate that into the bike. If you do movements that incorporate your whole body and make you brace your core and move your limbs and push and pull all at the same time, then you're likely going to be able to translate that on the bike opposed to just sitting on machines or just doing curls. You know, And again, those can have their place, but it's, it's kind of rare and I would say unnecessary for most people. And so if you build the muscle in the right way, the small amount of muscle you will build as a cyclist is going to actually improve your cycling economy and just make you more efficient more comfortable and more powerful and like i have said in the five reasons strength training improves your cycling uh, pieces of content we put out strength training improves just about everything except your vo2 max and so again if you build in the right way it's not going to be just dead weight (laughs) it's not like you have an anchor it's muscle that you can use Uh, and so the next question was what are the legitimate pitfalls endurance athletes fall into while strength training Uh, And my answer to that was, was the yo-yo going way too hard in the gym, maybe just training in the off season, then dumping all your training, uh, as you get into the year and having to restart over, or maybe it's doing one session a week and having it again, be too hard. And then you're sore for multiple days. And then you're just on this cycle of being forever sore because your frequency isn't high enough. And so I think that is the biggest pitfall. It's just going too hard and not doing it consistently enough. Question four, when and how do you incorporate strength into your athlete's training for best results? And this is something I preach constantly. And it's the real parameters behind how I work and kind of where I start to build programs from. And it's also what you'll see with a lot of my programs in general. It's two days per week minimum, total body strength sessions that always include mobility, And each week is going to include at least one of the seven effective movements. This is how we stay balanced with our programming. And you want to get to a place where you can implement that at the most minimal level and then build it up from there. You know, if you could do three days a week, great. But at least that two days is your minimum baseline. If you don't have equipment, no worries it's gonna limit some of the effective movements we can do but there are always ways like you have to get creative uh, like for training your back for example, without equipment, you can do it you just have to be very creative and that's where the programming comes in to follow so you're not constantly having to think about this stuff uh, but that that's basically it. two days per week minimum total body workouts including mobility and using one of the seven effective movement exercises at least one time per week. Next question, what variables most impact on how you design a program for one athlete versus another? Uh, and this is this is like the program questionnaire on the website. Uh, it's, it's your riding discipline. It's your riding volume. It's your equipment access. It's the time of year. It's your racing goals. Uh, your age definitely plays a part in it. I would say gender, not as much because the workouts are, are really just great for everybody. Uh, and it's more comes down to the intensity and the load and and often the size of the person. Uh, if you're going to go as far as suggesting weight for somebody, and it's also about your exercise training history. Uh, and what I found that's pretty funny is that sometimes you'll have a cyclist who is top of the game. Like let's say they're 20 plus hours a week. Uh, they race professionally and they don't have a lot of strength training experience. They might get a beginner program that is also given to a 70-year-old who doesn't have equipment that really, really wants to move their body, uh, but they have been cycling for, let's just say, 30-plus years. They might get the same program because even though the high-level athlete is a high-level athlete, they already have such a huge high workload and they don't have any experience in the gym. and We, don't all, we also don't want to mess up what they're already doing. So they could both have a very conservative approach, even though they look like counter opposites. Uh, And that is one thing that makes it hard for me, but hopefully is, you know, effective for everybody that is getting the right program. Uh, Number five, what advice do you have for coaches who may not have the expertise themselves, but want to incorporate strength training into their athlete's program? So my first thought on this was, that the coach needs to be implementing strength training into their calendar if they're going to be uh, suggesting it for their athletes. And I don't want you to think I have an expectations of coaches to be at a super high level of fitness or training or uh, whatever sport they're in. I don't think that's necessary, but I do think that they have to be involved in the process and they have to understand what it's like to do the thing. Whatever level that is, I wouldn't expect it to be as high as a lot of their athletes. Um, and sometimes it could be higher than their athletes, but they need to be in it with them. They have to lead from the front on this. And if they can't strength program for themselves, then I doubt they're going to be able to effectively do it for the various types of athletes that they have. Uh, and, and again, don't take it the wrong way. It's not like I think you know, football coaches need to be able to play as well as their players. It's, it's not like that, but you, you have to be able to feel the impact on your body to understand the feedback you're getting from your clients to an extent. So that is something I would definitely start with uh, for these coaches. And I would also say that you know Training Peaks has some really good resources now. They're building up in uh, anticipation of them launching the strength integration into their uh, platform, which essentially you'll be able to have strength workouts built into your Training Peaks calendar. So you only have one calendar. And that's why I'm moving forward with this integration with them. And that's why they've been bringing me to uh, this event and to be involved in different pieces of content because I've been using the beta and I'm helping them develop it. And now they're opening it to coaches specifically. So this is some insider baseball for you guys. Uh, I think that's what they say, (laughs) insider information, baseball, whatever. So they, they are letting people sign up for the beta. It'll be available for them soon, uh, at least for those coaches. And then it's going to launch to the public within a couple of months. And there's one more step that they need to include for me to be able to have my programs on training peaks so that people who want that full calendar can get it with dialed health programs that, that is going to be coming shortly after that. So we're on track, we're moving toward it, um, but it makes me very excited because it won't change anything that we're doing now, but it's going to give people another option for those that really, really want to track everything and maybe work with a, a, a on-the-bike coach as well. Um, I at least want that to be available to them. And that pretty much wraps up everything we spoke about on the panel. Like I said, I was with another coach, Aaron, uh, who was amazing. And we went back and forth. It was super fun. I think that they recorded a video of it, and it will be available within a week or so. But that's going to be through Training Peaks sending me the link. I actually don't have direct access to it, so hopefully I can get it. And I wish I would have set this up beforehand to make sure, I don't know, I had it on Instagram live or something, but I kind of blew it. Uh, There was enough to think about and it kind of slipped my mind. So if we can get that recording, I will definitely make sure to blast it out to you guys, probably through the newsletter or maybe even through Instagram. Uh, But with that said, let's move on to member questions. This is a new feature for members only. You can go to the website and on the community page, scroll down to the podcast, and you'll see a place where you can insert a question specifically for the podcast. Now, this one's perfect timing because it has to do with the Dialed Health Shred, so let's dive into it. This is from Steve Curtis. He says, should I do the January Shred even though I have my A-race for the year on February 15th? It's my first year or so actually training in racing. I'm 43 years old. I'm a Cat 5 men's sea racer. I'm 5'9", 160 pounds. Training for the Valley of the Sun stage race, time trial, road race, and crit over three days in mid-February. I've definitely got a handful of pudge around my mid that I'll love to reduce. I love the idea of the shred in January. The community involvement and accountability sounds like just what I need, but I don't want to hurt my race results am I okay to do the shred and keep up with my trainer road master's three day week program alongside my dialed health workouts two days per week? And he also adds love the podcast five stars, Steve. Thank you so much. Now I love this question. I'm assuming that Steve right now is in a build on trainer road and putting in some intensity there, which makes being in a deficit, I guess a little bit more risky. Now, if he was following the shred program, which is done at the end of January, he would still have two weeks to fully uh, replenish those glycogen stores if they're a little bit low and to my understanding that would be plenty of time i would be shocked if he didn't feel like that was enough time uh and the potential is that he would be coming in lighter and so even if it mildly affected his performance on the on the bike workouts if he came in five ten pounds lighter which is very realistic Uh, And, you know, we get results 15, 20 pounds in the month of January. And, of course, that depends on a lot of factors. But if you think, okay, let's just say the workouts are done at 95% instead of 100%. And even 100 is a stretch on normal circumstances. So let's say, like, they're affected mildly, which – Again, they're not always like it's usually one or two workouts. You might feel a little bit of that energy decline or you're just reaching for food faster during the workout. Uh, But it's rare someone doesn't feel as good because oftentimes they're eating so much better. They're drinking more water. (laughs) Like A lot of times people aren't uh, doing – Any alcohols. Like I'm doing dry January right now, and you just feel better from those things. So even if you're not completely carved up, there's all these other variables that are making you just feel better. So if you lost five to 10 pounds and you have those variables making you genuinely feel better, you're probably getting better sleep. And so I would doubt that within the two weeks, you couldn't get carved up properly. And if you did that, You know, you'd be five to 10 pounds lighter, you probably improved a lot of other health metrics. And then you got fully carved up for the race, let's say maybe you put on three more pounds, because, you know, the carbohydrates stores are going to be full and carry a little water with them. That's why they're called carbohydrate. And so let's just say that let's say you lose 10 pounds, you gain three back when you're fully uh, carved up. And then you just had a month where you feel a lot better. And even if your training output wasn't the highest it's ever been, which again, I don't even think that might be the case, then I think you'll be ready. And that's probably going to make you feel the best coming into these races. You know, I'm actually in a similar position. The first race I'm doing is on the 10th, I believe, uh, or the 11th it's the rock cobbler and it's a 120 mile race that I'm doing. And so I want to be carved up as well. And I'm going to do my first carb load, proper carb load. I'll be documenting that as we go into that race. But basically that's my answer to Steve is that, yes, I think he should do it. And if he is concerned toward the end, he could have a little bit less of a deficit. And oftentimes people could just eat their quote unquote technical maintenance and still make progress. Uh, Because a lot of the bloat goes away. They feel just better because they're not overeating in general. And oftentimes, that can just be weight loss depending on how much you're eating currently. So I think it's a go. Send it. And I hope that you have an absolute beautiful Valley of the Sun stage race, Steve. Now, we're going to wrap up the podcast with a little Dialed Health shred update for myself because I'm not going to lie. This week was super challenging. Uh, I, I traveled for three days, and, and to be honest, it was a very, very demanding schedule because not only did I travel, but I worked out all three days, which meant that the day I got there, I did a 11 p.m., 45-minute run. I kid you not. There was a time change. We got in late. I was burping up this brisket that I had at the restaurant beforehand, which, by the way, was just one of those situations where it's impossible to track. You know, Even through the airport the entire day, everything was tracked. I knew I had a good like 1,000 calories to play with for dinner, and I ballparked it. But I'm telling you, I think the thing that saved me the most was not having alcohol because this dinner we went to looked like they had the best old fashions. And because of the limited sleep I got, like four hours the first night, five hours the second night, I think if I would have added alcohol on top of that, I would have been not only a wreck, but – uh, just like progress rides for the shred, it would have been game over. So I think dry January might have helped me the most. Uh, but I did even notice like on the way home, I'm going through the Nashville airport and there's fried chicken, a line across the whole airport, which I would have waited in because I- I've just been kind of obsessed with fried chicken as like a, a go-to heavier meal uh, in the last like six months or so. So I wanted to try. I'm in Nashville. They're playing live country music. Uh, There's whiskey bars everywhere. And uh, anyways, I'm very happy that the Dowd Shred kept those calories in track because I was able to find a spot that had fresh juices. And I had my little Thai chicken curry wrap. And um, I I, I had to ballpark some of it. And I was challenged from the schedule and from the sleep. Uh, And it wasn't perfect, but I really think just not drinking was kind of the ticket. Um, For example, that first night, 11 p.m. run. And then the next morning, 6 a.m. strength workout all day at the expo, including the speaking and the stress that comes with that. We ended up having this little social hour at like 5 p.m. And then we go to a cocktail thing at 7. And then we go to dinner after that at 9. And so even at that dinner at 9, I got salmon and I got green beans and I got uh, potatoes. But the day was so long, I for sure had an extra meal just because of the length of the day and how often we were eating. And then it was five hours of sleep that night uh 7:30 in the morning run and then literally all day travel. I did the worst job booking my flights on the way home. And it was funny because the last flight I did, I ended up being on this airplane for like 6 hours because it was a trans it was a midway point. And long story short, didn't have food. I had a beef stick and I had like 3 of their packs of their uh crackers <laughs> that they gave me. And I had a I had a couple ginger ales too. I kid you not, I was like give me the sugar. But then I get home 10 PM and I'm so hungry. And I was, I was honestly mentally just so fried that I had my kids leftover chicken quesadillas. (laughs) And again, I was like, if I was giving myself a rating here, like I like, I, I know I already lost the shred because some people are just crushing it on point right now, but also at the same time, I'm like, Whoa, you know, that could have been a blowout weekend and, and it absolutely wasn't. And so I'm, I'm proud of myself for that. The dry January thing has been really great, um, but it'll be interesting to see what the scale says tomorrow because I couldn't even bring myself to weigh this morning because the first four days before I left for this trip, I nailed it, and I was already four pounds down. And so I was like, dude, just give me another day to like clean out my system, back on the scale, and the goal is still to lose six pounds total uh, before the end of the month, which I feel confident about, but... Yeah, it definitely gave me more empathy for those who travel for work, who have free paid-for meals at these beautiful restaurants and doing cocktail hour and the weird schedule. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty easy to let it get away from you. But uh, but anyways, that's, that's how it went for me, just full transparency. Um, but yeah, excited for the next couple of weeks. Hopefully you guys are absolutely crushing it because February is going to be here before you know it. I'm staying committed to this thing. Uh, along with dry January. And by the end of the month, we'll be ready to carve up and hit the races stronger than ever. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Dial Health Podcast. I hope you guys love it and I look forward to bringing you an interview this Thursday. If you have not already, please leave the podcast five stars. On Apple or Spotify. This really makes a huge difference. And go over to dialhealth.com. Get yourself a membership. Start strength training today. I have programs. Whether you have full gym access, all the way down to nothing. Whether you're a beginner or super advanced. So go to dialhealth.com. Get yourself signed up. And you can find those links in the description below. Until Thursday, start moving forward.